Hey, Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. Today we are talking about attachment style theory and how it works with your aura colors. There are four attachment styles. They're secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. And we're going to talk about how each aura color shows itself within those attachment styles. But first, hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So over on psychcentral.com, there's actually a really good quiz about what attachment style you are. And I took it and obviously I got anxious. It really wasn't. It's not a hard (laughs) quiz. It's like 15 questions. And then I called Scotty in to take it. Yes, I hear this voice coming from the office. Scott. Yep, and, and again. Scott. And I, you know, look, I was very, 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 very busy at the I'm time. I'm sure. Doing very important things. Yeah. And I kept hearing this voice, and I tried to <laughs> avoid Scott? it. Yep. Scott? <laughs> yep, that's what it, exactly what it sounded like. Until finally I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't avoid it anymore. And I walked in. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And then there's this quiz. I'm like, sit down, take this quiz right now. Right. Right now. (laughs) As any red, you know, now I know how, of course, the reds feel when KYA (laughs) listeners ask them to take one of your quizzes. I'm sure. (laughs) They're like, no, I don't want to take this quiz. Or they get through like question one or two. They're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Well, that was me. You know, I got, and look, this was a hard quiz. It was hard. It wasn't that hard. It was difficult. I didn't understand it. I couldn't answer the questions. It's like, how did you feel about your caregiver? How would your caregiver (laughs) describe you as a child? These really tripped you up. Well, yeah, because I didn't know what time period they were asking about. Like, I don't really remember anything before, let's say, 7th, 8th grade. That's a problem. Yeah, like, what is that? You're like 13, like 12, 13 is where I start remembering things. That's a whole other issue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I don't, like, I don't remember like 5, 6, 4, Uh, 3, 2, you know. So I didn't know how to answer the questions. And every time I took one question, I didn't know, I wasn't sure if it was right or wrong. I wasn't. You're getting really angry. Yeah, and I got to like question 3 or 4, and then I'm just like, I can't take this. You know, you take yeah. it for me. I think, I, and I think you it, took it for me, right? I did. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> How did I do? I, you're avoidant. Okay, I got avoidant. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> like, if somebody's not going to finish the quiz, they're obviously avoidant. Okay, so you got anxious. Well, it was making and I got you avoided. actually like angry because I think it was making you emotional. Maybe, yeah. Knowing I, I, just because I know you, like it was triggering. It was trying to crawl in to your avoidant. Mm. You're you're because all right, and we're going to talk about this. Yeah, but I, I what mean, I noticed, I was the, angry for a little bit. Yeah, after yeah, yeah, you were a little grumpy for a that little bit. That was grumpy, bit. yeah, because it was cracking through your red and getting the blue, which you put somewhere because of your avoidant. But it was also <laughs> showing me like style. I, I just couldn't. I didn't know how to answer the questions. It was tough. I know. Don't do it, people. Don't well, do what it. is attachment style theory? All right, so I, I didn't know what it was when you showed me the quiz. I barely know what it is now, but <laughs> I, I did my best to try to figure out. What it was. All right. So this is a theory that comes about 1950s, 1960s. Uh, psychoanalyst John Bulby and Mary Ainsworth are two big leaders in the field. Uh, and basically, attachment theory outlines how you bond with your primary caregiver. That sets the foundation how you're going to navigate your relationships throughout your lifetime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then there was a lot of – I had a lot of questions that I had to look into. Like when – what time period are they talking about? Are yeah. they talking about from like – the minute you're born, like, you know, mm-hmm. the day you go home from the hospital up until, I don't know, 18, or, or are they even talking about before you were born? Are you genetically predisposed yeah. to one of these four types of uh, attachment styles? So right. I, I wasn't sure. I'm still not 100% sure because there's a lot of different theories on there it. There are. It's a theory. And, yeah. You could look at different um, research and you're going to get a different answer. Right. There's no one set. And, and of course, I wanted to apply that to auras. Yes. And that got me... 
you know, thinking, okay, so let's say, let's take you for an example. Yeah. All right. Everyone knows your purple indigo. Yeah. That's your, your colors. So if we go look into attachment styles, again, it's talking about how you were raised, how your primary caregiver took care of you mm-hmm. from the day, I guess, from the day you were born. So are you per, like you're purple and O. Could you have, could you right now be red? Blue or red, purple. I, I don't know. Yeah, no. Based so, on... Yeah, yeah, so when I was going through all this and I was trying to apply it to my readings that I do, what I notice is you are what you are. So you're like an indigo kid, you're a purple kid, you're a yellow kid, you're a blue... Like whatever you are, that's what you are. And then you're affected by your environmental surroundings. So you aren't going to change your aura color. You're just going to have different types of obstacles and patterns and agreements that you've made in yourself because of what happened to you. So for me as an indigo, I totally have, after reading this... I mean, and I am not a mental health professional. We do not diagnose people here at all. The only person that could actually diagnose you or talk to you is a medical health professional. I just want to put that out there. But I self-diagnosed myself as the anxious attachment style, like to a T. And I thought, wow, if I had, and I'm not slamming anybody or anything like when my own upbringing, I'm just saying, if I had the secure attachment style instead, the amount of obstacles that would have been lessened. I think I just could have moved a little quicker in different areas of my life. Having said that, there's blessings where there have been trying times in my life and everybody's life as well. So, you you know, I, I learned something and I overcame it. So that's okay. But the things I struggle with, I wouldn't have to struggle with if I had a different upbringing. Now, would I still be sensitive to other people's thoughts and feelings and emotions? Would I still have uh, an awareness of them that would impede me at times? A hundred percent, because that's what I am as an indigo. That's always going to bug me. But if I had a different attachment style, meaning a different upbringing where people were like, hey, other people's stuff isn't your responsibility. My feelings aren't your problems. You know, you're independent as a person away from how I am feeling today. And it is not dependent upon your survival to read a room all the time when you're three. You know, I wouldn't have the, I guess, the obstacles that I've had and and, and the stuff that still gets me to this day. So you don't change your aura color. So those are how I see it. These, your aura colors are your aura colors. But if you're an anxious attachment person, it's very possible you lead with your empath aura colors, your indigo, blue, purple, turquoise. If you're avoidant, it's very possible you lead with your logic aura colors if you have one. You know, it's red, green, and yellow. And if you're disorganized, that's just like trauma came at you hard and you okay. survived the best you could with what you had. Right. Okay. All right, so all right, so there are the four. Now, three of those four are considered insecure. Yeah. So the odds are against us. Yeah. You have one of four chance to be secure. <laughs> right. Both of us are in those three. Right. Okay. So all right, let's go through secure, and I, and I do want to come back to that question one more time. Okay. I like what you said about you know you're always going to be that purple indigo, but mm-hmm. I want to explore it a little bit more after we cover secure. Okay. All right. So let's do the secure attachment set. So secure attachment is defined. By the ability to build healthy, long-lasting relationships. Yeah. Okay, so if you're in that lucky one of the four, you should be able to build long-lasting relationships, Mm -hmm. right? So how do you get to being that secure attachment? All right, so basically they're saying it's a result of 
a feeling of security with the caregiver from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to ask for reassurance or validation without a punishment. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you feel safe, understood, comforted, and valued during your early interactions with your caregiver, right? Yeah. Your caregivers are probably emotionally available and aware of their own emotions and behaviors. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so they're not perfect, but right. they're self-aware. Okay. And then signs that you might be this secure attachment style would include you trust people, easy, easy to regulate your emotions, uh, ability to seek emotional support, comfort being alone, comfortable being in close relationships, high self-esteem, ability to be emotionally available. Okay. You, okay, get, the, you get, get the idea. idea. This is normal <laughs> with quotes around it. This okay. is what we're all striving for. Okay. And so what... And let me just get this straight one more time. So let's say you have these caregivers. Let's mm-hmm. say you had, you know, parent, traditional parents, okay? Right. And they're giving you the security from the time you leave the hospital right. till whatever the age that we're, we're saying. Yeah. Uh, the aura colors of those caregivers. Yeah. So let's say you have a yellow blue. Okay. You're still going to be, no matter what, purple indigo. Yeah, you're not going to, you're just going to feel more comfortable as you are. Okay. You know, I think like stability creates. So, what I notice when I read, especially children's auras, when, and, or, or your aura as a child, and then you now, because a lot of you will send me a, a picture of you as a kid, what it is is, if you got a chance to explore yourself, your own energy, how you interact with people, how you interact with the world, in whatever way you authentically are, if you have a safe context in which to do that, you don't have to do it when you're 20, 30, 40 years old, when it's when it's less of a safe context to do it and, and there's a lot more repercussions. Right. So yes, if you have a secure household and you feel safe and secure and you feel good and you feel like you can explore with that, you're, you're a hundred percent still yourself. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, like so, indigo okay. isn't like a wound. No, it isn't like, like, I, like being blue or indigo or purple or turquoise and leading with that doesn't mean something. Being sensitive is a good thing. And this is what we're all working on, especially us who have children too. It's like, let me show you how that's a that's an attribute. Let me show you how it's a strength. Let me show you how it can bug you, how it can affect you, so that you know that that is something you have control over. Okay. You know? I guess so. what I'm trying to do in a roundabout way is use spirituality and auras to poke holes in this science. Okay. I'm, actually, I'm actually going the opposite way here. I, this is too simplified yeah. for me. Okay. I think it's super interesting. I love all this stuff. Right. I love psychology. But I, yeah, I think but it's too simplified. It's way too simplified. Yeah. There is a, and also, this is. I just want to make two things clear. They say in this you can move through attachment styles. So anybody can go to it a secure attachment style. And I've, I've seen people do that okay. in our own like discussion groups and on the mystic Mikhail spiritual family page, like people build relationships that are healthy. Like you, anybody can do that. Right. So it's something we can do. And I think you need spirituality or self-awareness to do that actually. Um, and then the second thing I, I wanted to mention was it's not always, this isn't going to be a slam today on caregivers. Like things happen sometimes, you know, life's hard. Maybe as a kid, mom and dad were thrown some sort of wrench, you know, sometimes things go on and it's, and, and even in your own life, if you have kids, maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe you're going through a health crisis or, or financial situation, like you're not screwing everything up. You know what I mean? I just want everybody to know that, like you're not creating some sort of unsafe environment for your kid not to be able to find their office. 
authentic self. Like you're doing a great job. It's not about being perfect. I think it's just about being self-aware. And I feel like even having one of these other insecure attachment styles, it's not the worst thing because you learn a lot. <laughs> and, and today, hopefully we do that. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, you're going to talk about the three insecure attachment styles. Know Your Aura podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of the relationships I'm most proud of in my life is my relationship with myself. I have worked on this in therapy with my own self-talk, my own self-worth, self-esteem, communication, and just running something against a third-party person who's a professional has been extremely comforting and beneficial for me and has allowed me to reestablish foundations that I was lacking. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash KYA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KYA. Talking about attachment theory and how auras interplay in it. Once again, I am not a mental health professional whatsoever. I see colors around people and I do readings for for my life. This is my passion, um, how auras interplay with our authentic selves. And I found this just really fascinating. So we've talked about the secure attachment style, but now we're going to talk about the last three, which are all insecure attachment styles. Um, and the first one is avoid, avoidant attachment style. All right. So it can be called avoidant, dismissive avoidant, or anxious avoidant for, for this attachment style. So it's I'm going to talk about what it is, um, how it develops um, according to the theory, some of the signs, and then how it manifests in relationships and how each aura displays. I'm going to do this for the next three. So avoidant attachment style is defined by failures to build long-term relationships with others due to an inability to engage in physical and or emotional intimacy. So how it develops apparently is in childhood you had strict or emotionally distant, absent caregivers. So maybe your caregivers left you to fend for yourself. And this could be emotionally too, like they were there physically, but emotionally you were really left to fend for yourself. You're expected to be very independent from a very young age. You were reprimanded for depending on them even a little bit. Even in normal ways, you were rejected when you were expressing needs or emotions and they were just slow to respond to your basic needs. So some some of these parents apparently are just outright neglectful in terms of food and shelter and whatnot, but others are just, they were busy. Maybe they were just disinterested. Maybe they were more concerned with your grades or your manners or how you completed your chores um, than, than your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, or how you are as a person. Maybe you just kind of felt like, a burden growing up. And as a result, apparently kids with this type of attachment with their caregiver may learn to adopt a strong sense of independence so that they don't have to rely on anyone else for care or support. Like you get the message right away. Okay. Like my emotional needs have to be met by me. I can't depend on anyone else. 
And the way I see that in readings with people is sometimes you guys, not everyone, but sometimes I'll see like a little nugget of you locked away. Or sometimes you'll show me a, like somebody that you're in love with or, or something and oh, and I'll see like, oh, they lock, they lock it away. Sometimes it's their, usually it's their empath color. So they'll lock like their blue, their turquoise, their indigo, or their purple. Oh, they lock it away. It's locked in there. And it's just, there's a fortress to get to it because when they feel, when somebody who was raised this way feels like somebody's getting closer to their nugget of vulnerability, their emotional energy or that empath aura, they are very triggered because they're terrified based on what they went through that they've associated with that over time of being disappointed, of being unloved, of, of being discarded, um, that feeling of somebody trying to enter their inner self is associated with a lot of anxiety and stress and insecurity. Like, what if you see me and, and I'm not good enough or, or whatever? I can't let you see this. Otherwise, um, I'm going to be discarded. So, and, and a lot of people aren't aware of this. That's why awareness is so important. Like, a lot of people that we love who have this problem, they're not aware of this in themselves. They just react to it without an awareness. So, somebody might have an avoidant an anxious avoidant um, attachment style if they, you know, persistently avoid emotional intimacy or physical intimacy, one or the other or both, or they feel a really strong in- sense of independence that's a little beyond, like, I got it, I'm good, I don't need you to, I don't, you know, don't hold my hand, I don't need you to go to the doctor with me, I didn't, they won't tell you things, you know, that are normal to tell somebody. Um, they're very uncomfortable expressing their own feelings. Uh, they can actually get angry instead of expressive about it. They're very dismissive of others and their feelings. They have a hard time trusting people in general. Everyone's out to get them. Uh, they feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to them, themselves. And sometimes even if they pulled you in, like let's say you got you, all right, you're, you got in the empath aura. You, you broke through the fortress. You're in there with them. Now they start acting this way towards people who get close to you. You can't, they, they project a lot of, a lot of their own issues on the relationships you have outside of, of, of them, just to give you a little heads up there. Um, they can spend more time alone than interacting with others. They don't have a lot of friends and, um, they just believe they don't need people in their life. And sometimes they can have commitment issues or like I said, maybe they've committed to you, but they can have commitment issues with everyone else in their life. And how this can basically manifest in relationships is, um, you know, anxious, avoidant, attached adults may tend to navigate relationships at an arm's length. Everything's, everyone's kind of a disposable feeling. They don't get real close. And that need for emotional intimacy is just lacking. So romantic level relationships, it's harder to reach depth with them. And while they allow romantic partners to engage with them, they can avoid getting emotionally close. So you may feel like I can never get inside. I'm always dismissed. I can, I'm always just getting right to that nugget of empath aura, but then I get shut out and cast away. So every aura color displays this a little differently and and you might relate to some of these more than one. And, and so this is just examples. So you can kind of see how this interplays, but overall, how I see this with working with, with just the readings that I see before even knowing about attachment styles, I've always seen certain people lock away their empath aura. So if they have a logic colored aura with their empath aura, like if they're red, yellow, or green with, you know, everybody has a lot. 
Some people have two empath colors. So some people are like blue, purple, indigo, turquoise in a combination. And some people have a logic color with an empath color. Nobody has two logic colors, okay? So a lot of you will tell me, I think my husband is a red-green and there's no blue. Nope. He just locked away his little blue aura because he probably has um, this this issue, this this anxious avoidant attachment issue. So, and, and, but I always see it. Like when I see someone's aura, I'm like, Ooh, they locked away their blue. It's in there. So that's what it, it's easier to be this way. I feel if you have a logic colored aura, I think it's harder to be the anxious avoidant person. If you're double empath, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's harder to actually keep this going. So anyways, how does each aura color display this? So if you're red, Reds will get very combative when asked too many questions if they feel they're invasive. Where'd you go? Who'd you talk to? What are we doing this weekend? Oh. Like, just normal questions. They feel like, well, stop talking. Stop it. Don't. You know, because, again, they didn't get that. They associate being questioned with somebody trying to control them or somebody trying to um, manipulate them for their own needs, you know, from growing up or whatever. So it's it's not about you trying to get close to them emotionally. It's you trying to find out pieces of information about them for your own benefit. You know, they just misinterpret it. So questions can't handle them. Greens will just shut out everybody and shut down completely in this anxious avoidant attachment style. Um, they'll go MIA from partners who are left completely clueless as to why, like, I don't know, it was fine. And then I just asked him, we're meeting his parents. And then he just like disappeared. (laughs) So that could be it. Yellow auras can adopt a uh, kind of a, I'm right because I say so stance on everything and everything and feel really argumentative if someone is standing in their perceived way. So it's just very, very combative when they feel like somebody's trying to get closer to them. It's like, what is, what are you, it's, they become a little paranoid even like, what, what are you doing? Why are you asking me so many questions? What's going on here? And they can turn it around and, and make you feel nuts for just trying to get close to them. So they, they like to be the one asking the questions, not the other way, other way around. So they feel like your emotional, they feel emotional intimacy. I feel like when they're in these types of attachment styles, they can feel very combative instead of vulnerable. So it's just hard. It's just harder. It's, and, and those three aura colors, I feel like if you're one of those, it's just easier to have the anxious avoidant attachment style in general. But let's say it acts out in the empath auras too. I feel like with purples, they'll just get really close to people, but then like purple bomb it anyways. So when somebody gets close to, so when somebody's purple, you know, they're creative. Purples are naturally a little catastrophic anyways, a little, they like, I call them Phoenix from the ashes. They like to completely tear themselves down to rebuild. There's healthy ways to do this and there's unhealthy ways to do this. And I feel like in the anxious avoidant, Attachment styles, they're going to do it where when somebody good is close to them, they're going to bomb the whole thing. They're going to blow it up. They're going to make that person wonder why they even talk to you. You know, like that's kind of the feeling. And they'll just purple bomb good connections and relationships, meaning they'll get really close and they won't feel deserving of it or they'll feel like it's going away. So I better blow this up before it actually does go away. Indigos, I feel like, will isolate. That's what they'll do. So they'll either completely go in them inside themselves, completely go inside themselves and disappear 
just kind of like a, a black hole. <laughs> like they, they fold in on themselves and you're just like, where are you? Like that. Um, and then when they do find someone that they love, they can definitely uh, possess them in an unhealthy way. And they can project a lot of their own anxious avoidant theories and, and style upon their partner too and their partner's life. So they can isolate other people the way they isolate themselves. Usually they'll take someone with them though, <laughs> you know, uh, because indigos are, are, are ones to partner up. See, the, the thing with the empath aura is if you're double empath aura and you have this attachment style, I feel like you probably are going to have a couple more connections than, than if you have a logic and an empath color. It's just, it's impossible for you when you're double empath not to have at least a couple connections. So you're just going to kind of include them in on the whole thing. Blues can become very victimized with this attachment style, feeling that the world and everyone is against them, even their own loved ones. So you can always feel like you're playing a little defense. Uh, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm not hurting you. I'm not hurting your feelings. This is not what I'm trying to do. Like everything's their, their narrative and their storyline and you're feeling like you're, you're going up against it. And turquoises, I, I feel like when they have this anxious avoidant style, they, ha- they just sit in their need to be right. Like I'm right. And they can't hang out in self-awareness or reflection as easily. Um, And they have a really hard time taking critique from a partner or a friend or a relationship who's just needing more from them. You know, I need you to admit that that wasn't right. I need you to admit that that was wrong. I need you to admit that I need you to compromise with me. I need you. And then they just take that as, no, control. You're trying to do this to me. And, And they shut it down. And that is actually a way we get closer to people. We have conversations about what you can do and what I can do and how we can move together and how we can grow and and move pieces around to grow together. And I feel like turquoises will just shut that down completely. Like, no, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'd rather be right and alone than wrong with you. They can also absorb the perception that life's against them, and then they just keep finding relationships where that is true. So they can have a self-fulfilling prophecy. Life's against me. People are against me. People are just trying to take from me. I can be independent, super subconscious. But they can find people who actually match what they already believe is the truth. So they can get stuck in their own self-fulfilling prophecy of, um, I need to be alone. And no one is for me. Pinks, I mean, pinks are funny. Um... I feel like pinks with the anxious avoidant attachment style, I would see them being very strong-willed, you know, tempers. They can get irrationally angry like a child. So if you think of a pink aura with a little bubble around them, because that's kind of how they, it's how they do in life, and they've created this bubble out of a need to stay independent, anybody that comes in and says, hey, like, you know, come join reality for a second or whatever, they can react with incredible anger and temper and like childlike behavior. So, so that would be what I see as the avoidant attachment style in people and how that develops. And next we're going to talk about the anxious attachment style. Wouldn't it be amazing to have your own personal stylist in your life to do all your shopping for you, who understands your style, your size, and your budget? Well, guess what? With Stitch Fix, you can have that. My wardrobe can get a little tired, a little drab, and my stylist helps take my wardrobe to the next level. She knows what works for me. And sometimes... 
most of the time, even better than I do myself. She helps me discover new things about my style. It's like my stylish best friend who is shopping for me. I just give my stylist my size, style, budget preferences. I'll even say things like, I don't want, I don't like this kind of sleeve or this type of print or this type of color. It's very personalized. I order boxes when I want to, how I want to. There's no subscription required. And she sends five just for me pieces plus outfit recommendations and pro styling tips. I keep what I love and I send back the rest. It's just that easy. Style that makes you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash KYA. That's stitchfix.com slash KYA. Stitchfix.com slash K-Y-A. Okay, we're going to talk about the anxious attachment style. It's also known as anxious ambivalent or anxious preoccupied. And it's just the second type of insecure attachment that like, and I'll just say, now I have this, like <laughs> this one's me. So it's just funny because, uh, you know, you're probably listening to this too today and you're like, oh, that's me or that's so-and-so. Well, this one's me. All right. But I'll, so let's go into it. So it is characterized by a fear of rejection, a fear of abandonment, depending on a partner for validation, emotional regulation, and major codependent tendencies, all right? It's me. Okay, how it develops. So this attachment style stems from inconsistent parenting that isn't attuned to a child's needs. So, you know, these kids growing up with these situations, they have a hard time understanding where they're care- like, okay, what mood's mom going to be in? What mood's dad going to be in? What's going on? There's a lot of stability issues. No security in the household. No security in the parenting styles. They just don't feel like every day could be different. A lot of like, oh my gosh, what's happening next? A lot of stress that way. And they're, uh, they're usually like really confused with their parental relationships, like where they stand with mom or they stand with dad and they can feel very unstable. Um, And children with this attachment style experience a very high distress when their caregivers leave. So it's a lot of separation anxiety and stress. And sometimes the parents will be supportive and and responsive to the kids' needs. Well, other times they're just spaced out, totally pieced out. They don't know. So these kids grow up, they don't know what's what's happening. They don't know what to expect. And, And I see this all the time in readings. I think what it is is how you this is nothing new. It's just how you interact with your caregivers, you know, how you were really nurtured um, becomes, you know, combined with your personality and, and what we can call here your auric energy or your special signature that you're born with, how that all interplays and interacts, whether it's really good or really bad or somewhere in between or whatever, it just becomes a blueprint for how you have relationships with everybody. So if you have an anxious attachment style, uh, your parents might have also, you know, been really coddling towards you, like over the top, like, oh my God, you're the light of my life, da 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 and then, and then next day detached or super indifferent. So um, they they have, may have been themselves very overwhelmed. They may have been attentive and then pushed you away. And they may have made you feel very responsible for how they felt. And the way I see this is, especially with like empath aura kids, when your empath aura it becomes very activated in situations like this. So if yeah, y'all have one empath aura color, some of you too. So that one in these situations got activated because your skill set was my survival depends on reading the room 
and has nothing to do with me. So everything, I outsource my own self-worth from where everyone's at today. And therefore it becomes a super codependent life. Your life skill is your codependency. <laughs> like you're real good at it. And, um, you know, it's possible you just grew up thinking that you're supposed to take care of other people's feelings and those are now your responsibilities. And, and so your empath aura got like amped up and turned on and activated. So signs that you have an anxious attachment style include, you know, you're a little clingy, uh, needy. You may have been accused of these things. Highly sensitive to criticism. I mean, real or perceived. You just can't handle it. You break down. You need made, you know, people are like, don't care what people think. Yeah, it doesn't apply to you. Um, you need approval from others. Uh, jealous tendencies, difficulty being alone, low self-esteem, feeling unworthy of love. You have an intense fear of rejection, major fear of abandonment, and it's really hard to trust people. Because again, like you don't know how stable everyone is. Like you've probably had experience in this. Sometimes it's not everyone's fault too. Like sometimes like things go on in families or stuff's happening. So I don't always want, this isn't supposed to be, let's slam mom and dad today. I mean, stuff happens. I mean, people, life's really flipping hard. And sometimes people have kids and life's really flipping hard. I mean, so it's like, it might've been a divorce or a health issue or who knows what, a financial blip on the radar. Like there might've been something. And, um, so I just want to put that out there because there's, I'm a mom too. So thinking, you can think about how this happened to you. And then you can also think like, oh, how, what am I doing this to my kids? Am I doing this to my kids? It's like, you're human. So just take a moment, take a breather. You're okay. You're okay. You're doing a good job. But how this anxious attachment style manifests in relationships, apparently a lot of people with this feel unworthy of love, need constant reassurance from their partners. They blame themselves for anything that happens in the relationship. And they can just have like a lot of jealousy or distrust. And it's just because of their poor self-esteem. So a lot of your insecurities just are always on on display, whether you are or are not aware of them. And you don't want to hear about your insecurities because you can't handle criticism. (laughs) So it's like all that. Ultimately, there's just this fear that you're going to be abandoned, rejected, alone. And, um, and so that's kind of how that works, how each aura color displays this. So I feel like this is definitely, if you're a double empath aura color, meaning you're blue, purple, turquoise, indigo, and a combination, um, this is going to be probably more emotional and strong. And this is something that you might even have an easier time seeing in yourself. If you have a logic aura color and an empath aura color, your logic aura color will come in possibly and make this harder for you to connect with on an emotional level, because that's what your logic aura color does. It's going to come in and give you some sort of reason or rationale or logic with quotes around it. Why you're right. You're right about the narrative that you've created that you're supposed to be anxious. Okay. I hope that makes sense. But let's talk about how each aura color displays this. Blues. Blues can be apologetic all the time. They're really sorrowful. Everything is their fault. And they really can become a target for other people. So I feel like blues can be a target for abuse, um, bullying. They can become stuck in relationships where they... they feel anxious and they stay anxious and they feel correct in being anxious because they've chosen somebody that makes them feel this way or their partner's totally fine. And they're just doing this to themselves and they're projecting this on friendships or kids or something else. 
Indigos, once again, they isolate. It's true. They isolate. But they can stay really silent, dim their light completely. Again, you know, if they are in a partnership, they can be in one where they just disappear in it or they pick somebody that makes this real for them. I mean, you can pick somebody and then your attachment style makes sense because you pick somebody that requires you to have that attachment style to be with them. Basically, blues and indigos will just think everyone's mad at them all the time. So if you think everyone's mad at you all the time, you might have a little sprinkling of the anxious attachment style here. All right, purples. Purples can become the entertainment in order to fit in, overshare, be too amiable beyond their own boundaries, um, allow behavior that they regret later. So it's kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't want to have that relationship with this person, but I did this because, I don't know, I just couldn't say no at the time. Um, or, you know, I, I said too much in order to fit in. It's like you do too much to fit in. So let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the logic. Oh, well, turquoises. Turquoises will have massive distance from their own mentality and mindset and sense of self. And they can definitely, in, in situations like this, will feel like they are just balls of nothingness floating around. So numb. Completely numb. Who am I? What am I? It's like, what do I like? What, what do I even want to do? Like, there's just such a detachment from that. And pinks can go into this childlike state of pleasing. <gasps> Whatever you want. Okay, let me be, I'll be your little doll. Whatever you need me to be, I'll be your puppet. What is it? You know, and feel scared and helpless all the time. Uh, but then the logic colors with this situation, which I feel like it, it can happen, but it can be a little... Like I said, tougher to connect with why you're doing this. Yellows get just ultra independent. They're going to stay in situations which are safe so as to avoid needing anyone or anything, even if it's not in reality. So I'll see them staying in relationships because, well, you know, I can manage it. So I'll just create logic so as why to stay single or stay in this bad relationship or stay in any anything that I do. A lot of fear that you will be in a state where you need someone ever. So it's kind of like that codependency scares you so much. You make sure that you're so not dependent on anyone that you could never do that again, if that makes sense. Like the, the fear of, and I see this in readings all the time, especially with yellows, the fear of going back to that state of feeling so out of control like you were as a kid is so stressful that you avoid it by not needing anyone or anything. And then when somebody is in your realm, you can attract a lot of people that need, like, parents. So you can attract partners that are basically needing you to stay in a powerful role because they don't have their crap together. So a lot of women will end up dating boys who need mommies, basically. I'll see this a lot with, with yellows. You end up being parental because it feels safer to you than being any time dependent on anyone. But then as you grow and you feel safer in yourself, you're like, oh my God, I, I just want somebody that gives back. I want a mutual relationship. I want, how, you know, and then you have to, that's when you're getting ready to reevaluate. That's a good thing. Reds with the anxious attachment will get really just possessive, angry, jealous, rage at inappropriate times. Because they have a hard time connecting with their probably empath color, so they just keep it to the ragey part of themselves, the red. Greens will, basically every single relationship they're in, it's almost like, it's like cut, copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste. Like, mom and dad did this to me, now every other relationship is like copy-paste, mom and dad, copy-paste, mom and dad. Even So everyone pays for 
the mistakes of their past. So if you're dating somebody who is like this, like they're going to probably set you up to be like who they just assume you are because they're stuck in this anxious attachment style. And the second they start to feel dependent on you or close or anything like that, they freak out and then create a situation where you pay for the mistakes of their past. Okay. So next one we're going to talk about is the disorganized attachment style. And that's the last one. Were you aware that when you buy wine today, most of your money goes to things like fancy packaging or big budget marketing campaigns and tax? It's just nuts. Plus, even after all that, you don't know if you'll like the wine until after you've already bought it. But let's talk about naked wines. This podcast is sponsored by Naked Wines. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like for a fraction of the price you'd normally pay in stores. How do they do it, you may ask? Well, Naked Wines connects with winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard to your door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in store. As a result, you'll get exclusive access to hundreds of top quality award-winning wines at a huge savings, making Naked Wines perfect for any type of wine drinker. I personally love the stories behind wine, so I enjoy that they really back independent winemakers, and you get to learn about wine that you normally may not have a chance to learn about. So head to nakedwines.com slash KYA and click enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in KYA for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping including. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. That's nakedwines.com slash KYA and use the code and password KYA and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash KYA, code and password KYA for $100 off your first six bottles. The last one is called the disorganized attachment style. It can also be called the anxious disorganized attachment style. And it's defined as having extremely inconsistent behavior and difficulty trusting others. So it kind of seems like a mix of the two we just talked about, but it develops a lot because of some severe trauma that may have happened, uh, neglect or abuse and fear of their own parents, fear of your sense of safety growing up is also present in this attachment style. So it's the anxious disorganized attachment or just disorganized attachment. Uh, Kids with this attachment style just may feel confused. I love dad, but he scares me. Um, Mom is nice, but sometimes mom's a monster. You know, it's, it's, it's not like in the other ones where it's just I don't know, they're kind of detached or they're busy or they just have like sometimes they're super emotional and they love you and sometimes they're just kind of like in la la land like this one is mom's freaking scary or she's great like i don't know what i'm getting you know so it's it's really stressful caregivers are inconsistent and not only just seen as sources of comfort but also as fear so it's like that opposing ends like this is the person i go to for safety but this is also the person i fear the most it's the same place and that's really really confusing for children and that leads to their disorganized behaviors this one's you know it's really really this one's really sad 
Okay. And so this is something you've been through. I just want you to take a moment, maybe take a break. I'm just giving you a little hug right now because doing the readings that I do, when I feel this on people during a reading, it kind of looks like their aura is zippered up a little bit. Um, they, it, it, it's always interesting because I'll see, sometimes you guys will send me a picture with mom and maybe mom was the good one, the com- source of comfort and the source of fear. And you picture a mom. Usually you're a completely different aura color. Like when you're next to these people who, who created such confusion for you growing up or, um, you just are so zippered up, you become just something that's so unattackable. So it's like you lose yourself and I can see that in your color and I can feel it in your vibe. So signs of a disorganized attachment style include fear of rejection, complete inability to regulate emotions, um, contradictory behaviors, high levels of anxiety, difficulty trusting others, and and again, signs of all the attachment styles we talked about today. A little avoidant, a little anxious. So it's like a combo of the other two plus, you know, it's it, uh, and we're going to talk about it, some self-destructive tendencies. And then... They do say that mental health conditions in adulthood can stem from this, which I find really interesting, like mood disorders, personality disorders, self-harm, substance use disorders. Um, it's And I see this with sometimes when I read you guys who are going, who have been through something like this, it's almost like you become the plane on which you hold what they did to you and you try to erase it in your own space. So you never punish them, you punish the the things, the scars that are left behind. So it's like little scars on your aura, and you see them all the time, and you look at them with shame. And you're really looking at their shame, but you've owned it as your own shame. And every time you see it, instead of seeing it as, wow, I survived, that's a badge of my survival and my strength, you see it as, oh. What a, what a worthless thing I am that somebody did that to me and left it there. Instead of seeing it as I survived and somebody else did that to me. That's not mine. That's something they did. That's just the remnant of me surviving it. Good job, me. You can see it more as like a mark of disgust, but it's theirs, not yours. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense um, because I, I try to explain that. You know, however, and and all of you are different. We have all this is very simplified today because you know there's more than four different ways to be. You know, there's you're the only way that you are. No, so it's like the recipe of you is extremely unique. And uh, so when I see this on people, it's it's like listen. You know, I try to explain it to you in a way that makes sense to you. So today I'm doing it more general, but in a reading, I'll see basically just something left behind that isn't yours, and it's something that you don't have to keep punishing yourself for. It's something somebody else did and walked away from. But how it manifests in relationships, people with disorganized attachment styles tend to have just unpredictable and confusing behavior to others. They can be aloof and then be independent and then be clingy and then be emotional. It's just all this stuff. And they really want love, but then they also push partners away because of the fear of love. Because remember, love is the same place where fear is uh, because that's how they were raised and born and 
and nurtured where, where I get love is where I get scared. So it's, it's very triggering them to feel love because you're also ready for the other shoe to drop and feel fear. So it's, it's stressful. You've, you know, people that raise their, that where this has happened and you've gone through this trauma and, and you've been raised this way, it's hard to separate fear and love. It's really hard. Um, they believe they'll always be rejected, uh, and but they don't avoid emotional intimacy. Like they'll get close with people, but then they'll reject it, and then they'll pick it up again, and then they'll reject it, and then they'll pick it up again. It's just it's really hard. Um, and they they can perceive their partners as unpredictable, and then they can behave in an unpredictable way. And so it's kind of like they need security and they need fear from their partner. So these can be a lot of dramatic relationships. They fight, you know, it can be like mutual physical aggression, yelling. If you've been in a relationship with somebody like this, you're just like, why are you, you might, they might bring out the worst in you because they're poking at things and getting you to say stuff. You're like, this isn't even who I am. Like what to connect with this person, you have to go to such a low vibration of yourself in order to do it. But then, you know, and see, when I see people who love people like this, like when you give me um, a lot of you will give me like, okay, here's my ex or here's this guy and we didn't work out or whatever. And, and the way that this looks on and my aura mind, somebody who looks like this, it's kind of like, um, how do I put it? It's like they're mushed together, all their colors and they know they're suffering and they know they're making you suffer and they feel so bad about it, but they don't know how to fix themselves. They're kind of just, it's kind of just like walking around like a hot mess of themselves and they, there's no regulation. Sometimes it looks like lava or explosions in the aura because it's just constant all the time, like, like bubbling and heated and they don't know how to be calm. They don't know how to feel safe. Um, and they, and this is work people all have to do for themselves, but they're looking for you to fix it, but they also need you to cause it. So it's, it's very stressful when you love somebody who's going through this. So how does each aura color display this? So, you know, again, with the empath auras, if you got a double empath aura, it's not that it's almost like it's harder to regulate, but easier to see. And if you have a logic color with an empath color, it's harder to see, but easier to regulate. All right, so let's talk about purples. Purples will basically, I mean, when you talk about substance abuse disorder, every aura color is subject to that, of course. Purples, however, I feel like can be a little bit more like, hey, let's regulate my mood by taking this drug, you know, because it's, it's just, I got to feel balanced or in control or I got to regulate the mood, man, you know, like that. So self-destructive with substances. And also they just seek out a lot of drama in partners. They're fighting, they're together, they're fighting, they're together. It's just constant. Uh, they're like addicted to drama. So a lot of addictive things going on here. Blues and indigos, I'm putting them together. They may seek out destructive partners to make them, they might find a person that is both comfort and fear wrapped into one, just like a caregiver was. So they might, they're just going to like repeat the cycle. They're just going to repeat the cycle. Um, and then they feel like they have to fix this person and like, they just want to fix them. And, you know, their mood depends on this other person's mood all the time. But let's say you're yellow. Yellows, I can see them. Like when they're going through something, like they either avoid completely relationships or they try to, you know, again with yellows, become a parental figure to someone. 
Um, they try to be very authoritarian and they tend, they tend to ignore stuff that the rest of us would be like, that's a red flag because they're shutting down their emotional side and only going with their yellow side. So they only see things how it is on paper and sometimes they're not in tune with their gut as much as they should be in order to read people well. Reds and greens, I had to put them together because they're going to find dramatic partnerships and just find themselves repeating behavior. They loathe in the caregivers, but I can see reds and greens becoming more like the caregivers that they're so, they were so hurt by or even possibly abused by. So they can become who they hate. They can become who they feared in order to feel less scared. I'll just become the monster. Therefore, nobody will be a monster to me. Again, a lot of these things are very subconscious, and until you're aware of them, you can't change them. Um, Pinks can just get really controlled by toxic partners to find themselves as isolated as they felt as kids. So it can be a repeat, and they can have sometimes children, and they can watch their children go through it. And then turquoises are really interesting. Turquoises can just mirror toxic people. They do this anyways. So turquoises are a mirror. What is a mirror? A mirror is meant to assist you. So you look in the mirror, you see if food stuck in your teeth, you know what I mean? You see if your eyebrow looks funny. I mean, what's a mirror for? That's what a mirror is for. You brush your hair, you put on your makeup. The mirror is supposed to assist you. Turquoises have an ability where they mirror you energetically, and that is supposed to assist you. When the turquoise understands that they are a mirror, in order to assist you. And they are not whatever they are reflecting in themselves. That is where the turquoises claim their power. Like you are a mirror. You are not what is in the mirror. Does that make sense? I hope so. But turquoises in situations like this can just mirror very toxic people. Only get to confused uh, as to why everyone thinks that they're the toxic one. So they can kind of become... It's They can kind of become what they... What they are trying to reflect in other people, but over and over and over again. So that is the anxious, disorganized attachment style. I'm sure you can relate to this. Finding quality clothes for my kids, it's important to me. I'm always looking for materials that are eco-friendly, yet still comfortable, soft. Don't break down after you wear them a few times. I love Caden Lane's. Bamboo pajamas, they are thicker, stronger, longer lasting than any large baby or kid brand on the market. This podcast is sponsored by Caden Lane. Caden Lane was started in 2005 by a single mom who wanted to create better and cuter clothes, accessories, and keepsakes for her own children. And for those special moments you were remember forever, especially when you want to match your whole wardrobe with your kids. Now they have these matching pajamas and swimsuits and sweatsuit sets that are so cute are perfect for any next family photo you've got going on. Caden Lane is your one-stop shop for all newborn infant and toddler apparel. Head to cadenlane.com slash KYA and use code KYA for 20% off your order. Once again, that's Caden Lane, C-A-D-E-N-L-A-N-E.com backslash KYA for 20% off. And make sure you use my promo code KYA so they know I sent you. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. All right. So I wanted to end this whole attachment style theory segment with what a secure attachment looks like uh, in each aura color. So a little example of what we're all working towards. And I know myself, I, I've gotten there 
in a bunch of spaces in my own indigo and purple, and I feel like you have in your red okay. and blue. But I just kind of wrote up maybe what we're all searching for in a secure attachment. Indigos like being alone, and they're not afraid that if they go off and take a nap or watch a show or have their alone time. <laughs> or watch Vanderpump Rules from the start. That anyone will get mad at that. Right, right. Although sometimes you do get mad at me <laughs> because they think I love my shows more than you. It's true. <laughs> so, I but- mean, our biggest fight... In the past month, right, has been over, and people are not even going to believe us here. Yeah, has been over whether Peaky Blinders is a good show versus an amazing show. I think my problem with you <laughs> is that, like, that was my show. You know, I watched it; it was really good. Yeah, and then you feel the need to watch it and tell me it's not as good as I think it is, well, and, and that bothers me. Okay, I understand. <laughs> well. We'll see, because I've only watched two episodes of Peaky Blinders, and so far it's good. I feel like you're avoidant attachment. Right. You get nervous when I get attached to something that's not you, so you have to come and, like, destroy it, because you're jealous of my shows. And you know what? (laughs) Our oldest daughter, Bree, says the same thing. I walked in the other day. She was watching young Sheldon. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you watch this? Yeah. And she got real bad at me. See, I think you're jealous when we like our shows. It's like, there's no space for you or something. Okay. Sure. Whoa. All right. Okay. So maybe for Reds, secure attachment means that they don't feel everything um, somebody does is is them being taken control over. So if I, I'm not you or right. anything, not me, of course. but saying something to the effect of, hey, let's bring a bottle of wine as a hostess gift as opposed to your idea. Okay. That's not me trying to control you. It's just like a suggestion. Sure. That's super worth All it. Right, I'm, going I'm just to, pulling I, from life. <laughs> and you know what? Because I am a becoming a secure red, I'll say sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. I feel like insecure attachments, green auras feel safe, that they're not always being taken the wrong way, that their actions speak for them, that they right. don't, you know, that they're they're doing everything they can do when somebody else recognizes yeah, that. Yeah, that is a big problem for the greens. Sometimes people do definitely take them the wrong, way, the wrong way or it's off-putting right. or it's like not socially perfect. Yeah, they're, they're more actions-oriented. Yeah. You know, like if a green aura comes, you know, home after a long day and they don't ask you, hey, how do you feel, honey? But they start making you dinner. Like, that's their way of checking in on you. Right. You know, and in an insecure attachment, they don't have to worry about that. Right now, there's a lot of insecure turquoises thinking we're not going to mention turquoise. Oh, we'll turquoise. get to you. Okay. I have so you. I, I just wanted to make sure. It's true. Because I knew they are probably freaking. I can feel the turquoise <laughs> energy coming at me. I can feel it. They come through the wires, and they're all through saying, the microphone. Are they going to say turquoise today? <laughs> Poor turquoises. Are they do it? Um, blues. Uh, and secure relationships, secure attachments can feel happy when they do things for other people. And they can also receive the gratitude from it. So they don't just do it to fit in. They do it because they want to and they feel like they can receive the thank yous. And they can say, you're welcome. Right. Um, purples and secure attachments can feel like they can create, fail, make mistakes, fall down. And it doesn't mean other people will discard them when they do so, or it won't make people love them less when they so shake it up So basically you're saying they can dance on a table <laughs> yeah, and feel secure about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and their partner won't be like, oh my gosh, you're trying to make everybody in the club jealous. And it's like, no, this is literally just me Okay, doing me. No like purple shaming here. No purple shaming here. Turquoises. <laughs> All right. All right. But in secure relationships, they feel like they're with somebody who understands that they absorb and reflect. And when they do that, they understand that the other person uh, appreciates it and feels gratitude towards their insight that they give. 
pink auras can explore their joy and their joy bubble without feeling like they're leaving anyone out. They can do their thing in a secure attachment and nobody's feeling insecure or left out or judging them for it. And yellows can feel safe to saying no more when they're in secure attachments. They can be like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. And I know this won't be a problem between the two of us. I know you're okay with me putting a limit on my own to-do list today. So I just put those together as little examples of what we're all working towards, no matter what aura color you are. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Right. So speaking of this, I would love to hear all of your insight over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family page. All right. So we're going to cut that now. Cut. And I'm going right to overtime here. Rules of overtime. Okay. You may go now. (laughs) That's right. It is your choice to stay. It's on you. No matter what we say, it's on you. We didn't practice any of this. We don't know what we're about to say. We have no idea. It could be insulting. I don't know. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It is overtime. Overtime. Okay. So speaking of shows like Peaky Blinders. Yeah. The Peaky Blinders. Is that how, what is it? Peaky, Peaky Blinders Peaky with Blinders. Cillian Murphy. It is. So far, I've, I, again, I've, like I said, I've watched two episodes. Uh-huh. So far, it's good. Okay. Not great. That's fine. Good. I don't I care. Gonna, I am going to keep watching them. All right. Okay. All right. So speaking of shows, I did walk in the other day. I did walk in on this. People, mm. I walked in on this. It was season one of Vanderpump Rules. See, that's another thing. Little like, Maggie was alone yeah. watching season one of Vanderpump <laughs> Rules. I'm just living my happy Maggie life. I was told that by Leanna that season one through four is the best reality TV they've ever seen. And okay. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I'm again, sick of not knowing what everyone's talking about. So I, so I told you, I am watching from all the beginning, it, right? all yeah. of them. And yeah. then all of a sudden, like you need to get in on it. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to see what was going on. So right. I stayed for a while. Yes. I watched maybe 20, 25 minutes of Vanderpump Rules season one. I think it was the season finale. Yeah, season finale. And, you know, here's my problem with this. And I know you'll, you'll do an aura take on this, but I'll do my red rant first. All right, go ahead. It, the reason why I can't watch is they get, they, I get angry. It makes me annoyed. It does. Okay. And I'm going to say, and again, I've only watched 20 to 25 minutes, so I don't know. I'm not an expert on Vanderpump Rules yeah. like many of our listeners. But... Who's the leader? Lisa Vanderpump. Okay. Lisa Vanderpump to me. Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa Vanderpump to me yeah. is, she's like a madam. Okay. Right. Like, like if you went back, she's like, like if you went back to like the 1800s, the wild west. The saloon madam. Yeah. She would be the saloon madam. Yeah. If you went to Vegas, you know, the bunny ranch, whatever they call that place, she'd be the madam there. Right. Yeah. She feels like a madam, like pulling all these little strings. Yeah. Making them do all these little Jumanji type I didn't even things. think about it that way, but you're so right. And then she's got that creepy guy. Is that her husband Ken. or boyfriend? That's her husband, Okay, Ken. that guy's creepy. He's in on it, too. <laughs> he, you know, I just happened to catch the scene where they made Jackson. Was it Jackson? Jack, Jax, J-A-X, Jax. You know, stripped out to a little teeny weeny, you know. Speedo. Well, speedo, actually. And they were calling him a teeny weeny. Mm-hmm. And then the, the creepy old <laughs> husband, like he's like 79 years old. Yeah. And he's got a little, he's got like a little, what's that, a stuffed animal? I said, what's he got next to him? The dog. It, the dog is next to him, and he's telling him to put a, a sock in his speedo. Yeah, and then then Vanderpump, the other you know, the madam comes over and put like gives him the socks. Yeah, you know, for him to put in there. You're finding this very inappropriate. And then yeah, and then at the end, she takes the socks and she's holding the socks right that were in the speedo of Jackson. This disturbed you. This is disturbing. Yeah, 
This is like a weird, like it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird I, show. I don't get it. She's like, why is she like a madam? It's I think like, what you're reacting to gross. is they took all these kids. Yeah, yeah they're kids. Except they for like Jax kids. is yeah. not. But they yeah, take he's all, like older, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They take all these kids and they're like hungry for fame. Yeah. They're hungry for something, a shot. You know, this is before, it's 2013, so there's just like Facebook. There's no Instagram yet. Yeah. There's no TikTok, nothing like that. And uh, they're like exploited. Yeah. And like. Every time you turn around, they're, like, fighting with each other. Yeah. But then there's the madam and her creepy husband. Yes. Why is, like, a 60-year-old and a 79-year-old, I don't know their ages, but it looks like that's what they are. Yeah. Like, hanging out with a bunch of 20-year-olds trying to get them to do things. So it's her restaurant, Sir Restaurant. Yeah, it's it's just creepy. I know. Okay. You're not wrong. Yeah. It is a very, like, produce. So I, I finished season one. Okay. And my thoughts are it's a very produced show. Yes. But with... People that don't know possibly they're being produced. So the most produced things happen. Like, here's a photo shoot. And Lisa Vanderpump's there or whatever. Or Lisa Vanderpump's going to go tell you that you are, are late on her blog entries for her daughter's style blog or whatever. So it's very, like, produced. But the the kid, the people's reactions that they've hired, the cast members, are so real. And they're, they're like, real friends. So it's very authentic, which I feel like is abnormal for reality TV. Usually people know what they're coming into. It, it's kind of rare when you can get a, a cast of people. that. So I, I feel the realness and the rawness of these people, I guess. But okay. I wanted to say, like, Stassi and Jax. Okay, let's, let's do those two. And I know they're not together, but this now, and I understand that, but, like, this is this must have been such a big deal back in 2013 when this aired. Like, people must have been crazy about this because i've never seen anything so toxic on on tv like this is bad so i want to just do their aura things from back from season one this is season one this is not today and i should this is season one just those episodes i watched all right Jax is green and purple but he wears a lot of inauthentic blue and everything's just a mess so what does that mean that means that he's bright he knows how things look on paper because green purples are really good with visuals and visions and understanding how things work. His medium is people and people's energies because he's purple. So greens have that engineer brain, but he works with the purple. So he works with the intuition. He works with the energy of everybody. He works with feelings, meaning he knows through his intuition where you're at, who you are, what gets you going, what you need to hear. He can read that so well. And then he can create a whole like uh, like scape around it there's a whole reality around a whole false reality he knows who you need to be for him to be accepted by you now he picked stassi stassi's 10 years his junior at this time she's yellow purple she's young first of all i feel like she's too smart for her i met her she's a lovely person by the way she's very nice in person but i yeah this but this is just her in the show back then right so she's really smart i feel like she's actually ahead of herself in a lot of ways, like she hasn't gotten there yet in life and, and just experience in order to appreciate how smart she is. I feel like she's there today, but I feel like at that time, no, the purple is really strong. The yellow is really quick. Like she picks up a lot of things at once and might not have the ability at this time in her life to deal with it because her purple is extremely vibrant and she might just take information and then get overwhelmed with it and try to organize it with her yellow, but she's just taking too much on her plate, if that makes sense. I feel like a couple things are going on. One, he picked her because she is impossible to please. 
but she's insecure and emotionally inexperienced enough at this point in her life to put up with his crap. So he's like, if I can make her believe this is who I am, then this is who I am. So he wants to sell a version of himself that he would like to be true to the, to the hardest customer he can find, which would be Stasi, because yellow purples are kind of hard to fool. But she is easier to fool than maybe a yellow purple version of her 15 years from now, like that. So he's picking kind of an easy target in order to sell the false reality to. I mean, that's what I see. Okay. I do believe he believes himself, which is very difficult when you're dealing with somebody who believes their own crap. And I feel like he really does believe his own crap until right, he realizes right. he's screwed. And then the inauthentic blue comes. He does it all because he feels so bad about himself. He knows he's a loser. <laughs> he picks somebody that tells him right. that he's a loser. She's right. like, you're a loser. Like, it's, it's obvious right. he's a loser. Right. But if you can love a loser, then I'm not a loser. So anyway, so it's just a lot oh of my that. Gosh. A lot, yeah. I mean, all I did when I saw, he, all he did was he was lying about everyone. He like lied to the therapist. Oh he lied God. to the friends. It's crazy. He lied to everybody. Like, listen, I'm for I'm just new to the lying. first season. He's lying about lying. So he's what happened was crazy. Like <laughs> him and Stassi are together. He, this other bartender Frank tells Stassi, Jax cheated on you and got a girl pregnant while you guys were together. Jax and every single person in their friend group is like, not true. Frank's a liar. She believes Frank, gets with Frank. Frank and her get dump each other. Right. She goes back with Jax, is starting to trust him again, and then he's like, yeah, it, I did it. <laughs> that did happen. <laughs> After he told everyone's right. friends, a therapist, like everybody. Right, right. That he told it didn't me. happen. He actually told he me. He called you. He told yeah, you. He, he called me in at Domino's. I was at Domino's. And, uh, <laughs> well, you keep saying this me. reminds you of Domino's. It, I totally remind This is Domino's. This guy used to work at Domino's. And, and again, that's the... <laughs> Vanderpump yeah. Domino's. And this is my other problem with the show. <laughs> and I've said this Except many times men. on the podcast. Everyone even knows what I'm going to say right now that I've said this before. Oh, I don't. It, you know what I'm going to say. That this happens at every oh, restaurant yeah. across the United States. Every Applebee's, every Outback, every Red Lobster. Yeah. This is happening. Yes. So they're not unique, these people. Well, I think that's the popularity of it is that it's yeah. so relatable. How about that? I want to go, okay, I want, I want to go back to that Vanderpump. Yeah. Lisa Vanderpump. Yeah. Does she get crap for this? Because she, to me, is the worst of the bunch. Back on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, she got, she, she did. Okay. I, I, on her other show, she did. This one, she's untouchable. Okay. But on the other show, they did call her out well, the, for yeah, the, being. Well, the, well no, but, and that's the thing. Those, those kids can't uh call her out on this they no. have to kiss her behind if like i saw how they talked with her yeah because they know not well one first of all it was their job mm-hmm. so you don't want to get fired from the restaurant but yeah. then once they know there's going to be a second season they yeah. don't want to get fired from the show it's so she probably show, holds yeah. the cards there she sure does she she's like on you could i don't know like our people are great at reading energy and can't you read the energy that she holds this power card over them? Like, yeah. there's such a master-slave relationship almost. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I've said this theory about her for any time anybody's ever asked me. Yeah. So she's a big dog lover. She rescues dogs, and she does a lot for dogs, okay? Okay. I feel like if you are a dog to her... She will forgive anything. Okay. So yeah, I I, I think yeah. Like if you're like what you know how dogs are cute. So if you like are constantly like if you're like a person that keeps screwing up, but you look appropriately sad and submissive, like a dog does after they pee in the house a hundred times, and they're like sorry. 
sorry. And you're like, oh, you silly dog. Then she'll forgive you. But if you try to bite the hand that feeds you, bye, you're gone. Like that. So she needs the people that stay are submissive to her. Yeah. And you can yeah. see that, and then there's that other weird, creepy guy that hangs around. Oh, Ken. Yeah, and it was really weird. Like they did like a photo shoot, and the, they made the girls like kiss each other. Yeah, and they, you could tell like I don't know, one didn't want to, maybe they yeah. did. I don't know if they did or didn't, but then they're like, and they're watching. Yeah, well, this, this is creepy. Bo- this is before me too. This is, is before. It? This like, is kind of a whole lifetime okay. ago. I mean, yeah, twenty thirteen. I, mean, I know it's was this ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, lots changed. Yeah, like you know. Know, they probably can't. Yeah, they wouldn't do that now. Yeah, but even back then, it looked it was creepy. Well, because I'm watching, I don't know. It's just creepy. it would have been creepy back yeah, then, too. Then I too. think we yeah. back then it was just something that was like, like, oh my god, like you wouldn't have thought. Well, you know what it is? They're they're such a power. These girls are in such a powerless position. Yes, that they have to do this. Yes, it's disturbing. That's what's di- yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It is. It's that's ter- what's bothering me. Right, they're using disturbing things for entertainment. Yeah, they're using disturbing. Yes. Well, yes. yeah, and and she's- and I can't watch it. So, okay. but yeah, okay. But I am going to watch part of season two. <laughs> it's an interesting show. I mean, I guess like if you want to see toxic auras interplay, sure. like this is the show for you. Right. You know, but now I see Stassi over on, uh, like I met her in person. She's, this isn't her, you yeah. know, I mean, I saw, and then the show is edited Yes. Of and course. they do stick these poor people in these situations where they're basically worst fears are happening. They probably asked her when she were being interviewing her for the show. Hey, what's your worst fear being cheated on? I've been cheated on so much. Not my, this boy, I really was in love with he cheated on me and i've never gotten over it and then they make sure that she gets cheated they, on and finds out about it right i and mean they, you know, knowing brock because it's bravo right yeah so knowing it's bravo and andy cohen the mastermind behind all this <laughs> stuff he probably actually hired someone because it happened in vegas oh right to meet up with jacks jackson whatever yeah and then have her and him get together so that he could cheat on her. I mean, who knows? Because now I start. I actually did start season two. I'm three episodes in. And Tom Sandoval at that <gasps> time was dating yeah. Kristen. And he cheated on her with some chick in Vegas. Okay. So what is going on so here? So there's some Yeah. So this is <laughs> what. You're like, Scott's like, okay, I was correct. Right. So what happens is there's meetings. And <laughs> there's Vanderpump, the old man, the dog, and Andy Cohen. And the four of them, like around I mean, the table. I'm gonna count the dog as a person. Yeah. So yeah. the four of them sit the around dog. the table. The it's dog just like is, laying there, yep. like that. Yeah. <laughs> the tongue hanging so, out. Yes. The four of them: the dog, Andy Cohen, right, Vanderpump, and the old man. They all sit at the table, <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, all right, we know these people in Vegas, right? You know, let's get them right. to get with the guy from the village people, <laughs> Tom you know, Sandoval or Jackson, whatever his name right. is, and you know, they'll, they'll cheat." Yeah, you know, and then we'll bring that back to the restaurant. Yeah, and that'll create the drama. Like on the off season, right. they they cre- they have some like you know people yeah. in Vegas right. like really coming up soliciting these guys. Like, oh, hey, yeah. Wanna, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know with pretty much ninety nine point nine percent accuracy. Now we're jumping ten years into the future that that village person guy. Uh, what's his name? The village guy. Tom Sandoval. Yeah, who cheated on the other one. It's just copy-paste so yeah, far. Yeah, they just copy-paste that. They yeah. probably even told him to do that. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem like he's got too much going on up there. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, these people aren't, like, that deep so yeah. far. But yeah. it is, it is, I, I, you got to remember, like, a lot of this is subject to the edit. And now, after season one, I barely trust it. For yeah. the re- just because okay. I just, I know how edits are and how production is and all that kind of stuff. Um but right. we'll see. It is entertaining and it's interesting and it's interesting with the aura situation. All right. So I, I think work. what we'll do in the future, we'll have a few more of these overtimes. Over this time. is overtime. So anything you heard here, that's on you, not yeah. on us. And I will try to like, you know, sneak into the room when you're doing your Vanderpump okay. thing. 
and I'll sneak in and I'll watch an episode here. Not the full. I can't watch a full episode. Nah. I get too angry, you know. Yeah. But maybe like 10 minutes here or there. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is for you and about you, and we're so glad you spent some time with us today. 